Is that the most offensive thing to ask someone? He asks a simple question. Do you like Duck Dynasty? <laughs> the fuck is that supposed to be? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Orville Roddenberry's podcast, where we talk about the latest news and reviews, give our opinions, and make predictions. I'm Quinn. I'm Evan. And I'm Dan. And we're the Orville Roddenberry's podcast network. In this episode, we're talking about Picard's sixth episode, The Impossible Box, um, Star Wars, The Is Clone Wars. Is that really Wars. the name of the episode? Yeah, it's called The Impossible Box. And I've oh. got stuff to talk about about that. No, it's a double meaning. I get it. Uh, and also, we watched Star Wars: The Clone Wars season seven, episode two. A the bad batch. Echo, you bad batch. Bad batch was episode one. This yeah. is bad batch part two. Bad batch. A the distant ba- batch is back. A distant <laughs> echo. <laughs> the batch is back. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I'm still mad about getting bamboozled. I'm pretty sure that was Connor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, we all know it was. We got bamboozled, literally and figuratively. So before the show, we were before even watching Picard, we were talking about, um, I did some research, and we are kind of looking at our theory of what's this show about, what's the answer to all the questions that are being asked, right? And um, this episode is directed by, I don't know if it's Maja or Maha, and her last name is Vrivolo, so say Maja Vrivolo, and written by Nick Zayas. Now, why is that important? Um, I thought Nick Zayas' writer was kind of a weird choice because... Dr. Zayas? Dr. Zayas. Yeah, <laughs> um, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. When I looked into it, he had he'd done like almost exclusively romances. Like he did a Ben Stiller rom-com. There was a Alec Baldwin rom-com. Well, you know what? It adds up considering the content of this episode. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I think that's where this episode got some of its strength from. And then the director, she has done Hawaii Five O, Magnum P.I., MacGyver... Star Trek, like she seems to be the director you go to when you want to bring an old show back. Um, and there was some overlap, right? We were talking about that. Um, Alex Kurtzman had also worked on Hawaii Five O, right? Mm. And where I'm like, you know what? This is building some momentum for my theory that this is a detective noir type of story. I think it's, it's like kind of. I don't even want to say it because that's off. It's like Battlestar Galactica from a detective noir storytelling approach. I mean, in that they both share killer robots. That's pretty much it. Yeah. This- no, I actually, I think there's more than that. Actually, when I was listening to the podcast from last week, since I wasn't on it, um, I, I, you guys actually brought up Battlestar at one point, And I, I think there's actually, it's starting to feel a lot more like that in, in a number of ways. You guys were talking about the idea of like, kind of like the fate coming around and, and, it, it, you know, I think maybe across a few of the Star Trek series, you got this idea of this sort of like inevitability of this thing is going to happen, whether it's the Borg or it's control or whatever, it's going to repeat, it's going to happen, which was very much the uh, theme in Battlestar, in the new Battlestar. Yeah. Part of me now hopes control is going to somehow make a return. My personal theory is that the vision of the future, the uh, Baba Yaga, whatever the hell they're called. Vodge. The Vaj Taj got was what is it called? Vash, the Dodge, Dodge Vat. Dodge Vat. The Dodge Vat, they went into the future. Vaj Dot. 
Go on. Either either the vision of the future the Dodgevot got, or whoever came into the past to tell the Dodgevot was from the future that Control had destroyed. So that's why they were paranoid about AI. Oh no, they don't like synthetic life forms. I don't know if they do. They not like AI. Well, they said that they uh, said they don't use AI. Yeah, they said that like oh. Romulan technology only uses it purely for like mathematics and stuff or something like that. This episode felt long and not in a bad way. Like I kept thinking, up oh, here's the end, and then kept going like, oh yes, so I could see where the storyline goes, and then oh, all right, they're gonna give us a teaser. Nope, nope, it's still going. The reason it felt like that is because like the quantity of events happening. Uh, in this episode was roughly like three times the amount of any other Picard episode. So once the a normal amount of events had happened, we thought the episode was over, but it's only like <laughs> 20 minutes in. I loved this episode. This is my favorite episode of Picard so far. Same. Um, I thought we were going to just get event through dialogue, but nope, sure enough, we got our action scene. They always give us an action scene in Star Trek Picard. Zot Vosh. Zot Vosh. Zatvash. You'd think we'd remember this by now. It's Baba Yaga. It's a hard sound to remember. The yeah. problem is like Baba Yaga is now stuck in my head as the name for the society, and I just it always goes back to that, even though I know it's just a giant joke. For for, for me, it's uh, it's Dodge. That character's uh, name throws me off. I want to somehow incorporate that Vod into Dodge. it. Yeah, it's a yeah. Zatvash. Zatvash. And I always want to get Dodge yeah. in there. Is it similar? I think for the rest of the season, we'll hear Dodge's voice, or her name, once or twice. He has to tell, tell Soji her name, and maybe someone else will say it, and then that'll be it. You know, the, Dodge is to the Zatvash as Tasha Yar is to the Tasha Yar. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. To me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Kind so, of. like, I had a thought about this episode, too, in terms of, like, the big monomyth, like hero's journey type of thing i was like is this episode the descent into hades this is picard going you know back into the borg cube it's a very dark place it's kind of got a, a depth kind of feeling to it because the verticality of it so his his descent into hades could be returning the cube soji like literally dug through the ground to escape that gas attack and came out a different person you know that was kind of where her character her life this episode ended and now she's on this adventure to find out who she really is She's the monomyth is, is astrology for boys. She is no longer a moisture farmer on Tatooine from this day forward forever. If you squint really hard, the section looks like a descendant of Hades. If you squint really, really hard, it's the refusal of the call. I didn't see a refusal in this one. Exactly. This is definitely... Maybe remember, when, remember when Picard had refused the call to become a hero? Oh, wait, he didn't because the monomyth is just astrology for boys. You know, instead of it, instead of maybe the descent into Hades, but I think you're, I think you're onto something here. It, it, it maybe, maybe that is a good way of looking at it. But I think that they are have some very blatant references to the Odyssey throughout the whole thing. Which uh, is descent in Hades? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, um, like I said, I'm not. I, I am not arguing with your wait, position. When did Odysseus go to Hades? In the middle. <laughs> did. Yeah, because he had to go rescue his uh, buddies that He's either rescuing died. someone or getting information from someone. Yeah, I thought it was because of... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to, he had to go get... Was, was, Agamem- was it Agamemnon that he had to go down there? And uh, because his, his one of his buddies got drunk and died. I can't... I, I wish I could remember it better. I'm going <laughs> to read up do. on this b- before next week. But I, I believe that like when they were partying on one of the islands, like one of his guys... like 
like somehow ended up dying. He like got drunk and fell off a roof or something like that. I, you know, our, you know, all, all three of our listeners are probably going to write to me and tell me that, uh, I'm wrong about this, but he, um, when we refer to our listeners on the show, just for the sake of efficiency, we refer to them in units of millions, by the way. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes. Just want to be clear. three of yes. those units of million. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And I believe he did actually go into Hades for it. Uh, the, the things that I was going to, that I was referencing, you know, the ship that he's on is La Serena, the siren. <gasps> oh, I knew. I'm like, why is it called the mermaid? Yes. Yeah. Because there's sirens in the Odyssey. And there's another one that I'll, I'll, I'll say, well, I don't know if I want to jump to it because it's kind of at the end of the episode. Yeah, it'd spoil the Odyssey. But um, <laughs> hold on, no one's what? As in, you don't want to spoil the end of the episode? No, you don't want to spoil the Odyssey. I just didn't want to jump to it at the very end of the episode. The the planet that they choose to go to, uh, Nepenthe. Uh, Nepenthe is in the Odyssey. It's not a place. It's a drug. It's a drug that removes all of your uh, sorrow and uh, fears. The oh. lotus flower. Yeah. What? The lotus. They eat the lotus and they go crazy. They go bonkers and they have some fun and then nobody wants to leave the island. It's in the Odyssey. I'm on Cersei's Island? Yeah, that's on Cersei's Island. Now, I'm it's trying to remember Kefka's if that island. was the Nepenthe, but the... the, the uh, or is it a different I drug think, I think episode? That's a different, I think it's a different drug episode in the Odyssey. Mm. But uh, that that is a that that is a direct Odyssey reference. And you know, yeah. and Odysseus was the old warrior, mm-hmm. you know, going on this last like the, you know this journey. And I, so I think I, I don't quite have it all put together well, clearly. No, no, actually, oh, hubris. That was yeah. the reason he got sent out on that Odyssey because there of his you hubris go. Star against Fleet. Poseidon. Starfleet is sheer fucking gods. hubris. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is the Odyssey then. Yeah. Starfleet is Poseidon, the um, fleet. Get it? Because like they're a flawed god, and Picard is calling out on their flaws, and then he gets sent on a journey to go to the Hades to get the robot. Just like when Odyssey got the robot that told him about the the Odyssey. That was like freestyling. Yeah. That was impressive to listen to. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, The Impossible Box. That's the episode's name. At first, I'm thinking the Borg Cube. But obviously. No, but no, there's another box they introduced for the first time in this episode. Yeah. And, and talk about it and a Eric lot. refers to it as a little puzzle box. And then I'm like, oh, by the end of this episode, I realized Soji <laughs> is the Impossible Box. I didn't. I didn't get to that layer. I'm not. High, I'm not high enough. Yeah, but, he's talking um, to his. Um, Narek did. <laughs> he's talking to his. I'm not high enough. Incest dom sister. Yeah, who stole his toy and was like, uh, and this, like was this little, literally bullying him like a little kid. <laughs> Give me my toy back. This box is so dumb, brother. How do you even play with this toy? And she, then, she had the same energy as Angelica from the Rugrats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know, with leather. Oh yeah. <laughs> So much leather. Yeah, like Soji was, the box was a metaphor for her and his approach to dealing with Soji. And then, so yeah, she was the impossible box. I thought the impossible box was a Rubik's Cube. I thought the impossible box was a board cube. You're being so topical right now, dude. Dude, Soji isn't even box shaped. <laughs> you dumb, you buffoon. Well, that's because you're only thinking in three dimensions. Absolute credin. <laughs> That's right. Don't think in three dimensions. She's a tesseract on the inside. So, <laughs> <laughs> so listen. Star Wars, The Clone Wars. 
We're just wait. We're not. We're, we're done not with t- Picard now. We, just, we, we barely talked about the episode. It was there's, a, so, there's so much more to talk about. There we was. To talk I'm, not about used Hugh. To the, I'm not used to the pacing anymore. Yeah, we have to talk about Hugh. We have to talk about how another Borg in, on the Borg cube was like, "Hey, is that the cutest?" <laughs> I like. I like. I like that. The cutest. And then um, that was. I like that. Picard I was has, waiting for someone to recognize him like the whole time he was on the ship. Picard has a Vietnam flashback and he and he almost falls off the uh handrailless um hallway of the Borg cube and to his death because it's I don't know why they don't have handrails. Because they're all about efficiency and perfection. Yeah. And um uh, Um what else? Oh yeah. There's uh, a Stargate. Ag- Agnes Agnes? Which one? Agnes Dan. Agnes. Agnes has a sudden and completely fucking random romantic subplot with the pilot. Yeah, where did that come? I forgot about that. That came out of nowhere. Um, Because of the rom-com guy, I assume. And um, the pilot tucks uh, Rafi into bed after she gets really drunk and calls out her last favor with her Starfleet friend to get Picard onto the cube. Lost her friend. Did you notice the uh, on on her nightstand right next to where he put the bottle she was drinking from? There's like this weird little like hand sculpture no. on it. It was like a little wooden hand just kind of like laying out like almost like you could put something in its palm. The palm of Poseidon. That's yeah. a no, reference. like a, this um, artist sketching it, hands. It, it may have been. It may have been that I, I noticed it the the first time I, I watched the episode. I noticed it on Rafi's nightstand mm-hmm. in watching it again. I noticed it in uh, Soji's room. They had both the artist sketching hand that looked very much like the one in Rafi's quarters, and they also had the little artist doll. I noticed that, yeah. Yeah, as well as a tie into her vision of herself. Ha- yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just thought it was interesting. It was it was a weird. It, it was a very weird thing I thought to have aboard that ship. That's a weird thing to have in both those scenes. Yeah, like. The, it's not like the shooting on location. Something just was just in the shot. Like those are intentionally placed in both those scenes. Right. So I, I don't know. I don't quite get the significance of that. Uh, actually talking about, um, talking about, uh, Soji's room. I didn't, I, I didn't quite catch this, everything they said about it, but, um, as, as Picard and Hugh are, are getting, uh, ready to enter her room, there's an announcement going on on the uh, board cube and it says something about like in sections, something and something there have d- been detected increased chronoton particles. Oh. And they're telling people to, like, if you were in that section report over to here. And I know you're talking about the stuff and I actually didn't hear uh, not being here last week. I didn't hear the stuff about the uh, the German spoiling the time travel or whatever the hell that was all about. What? what? What was it? You you were talking about uh, some German magazine or something talking oh, about? Um, that wasn't me. I think it's Connor saying yeah, German. Uh, they were t- they referred to the Dash. It was me. I stole it off of Reddit. Zot Vosh. The Doge, Vash. They use the word time traveling <laughs> in their adjective list of the villains. Well, okay. So, anyway, th- there was a reference to chronoton particles in the board cube, which may be related to that. It could just be that someone picked that up be- from, you know, like Nemesis, and it's like a Borg thing. Didn't Discovery have Graviton. Gravitron uh, particles or something like that? Graviton or something like that? 
I've heard chronotone particles in Star Trek before. I don't remember how they're being talked about, oh, though. Well, in in um, it, it, they've they've mentioned them several times. One of the most prominent ones uh, was in First Contact, when the uh, when they destroyed the Borg cube and the sphere launched out of it and it was going towards Earth, mm-hmm. and they detected high levels of chronotone particles from it, and that's what it was using to uh, go back in time. Mm. Oh shit! Do you think the time travel, ing the time, tra- the alleged time traveling that we're going to see in later episodes, maybe it's being harnessed from the Borg cube, because we established the Borg can travel through time. Right, mm. right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but that could be, uh, that could be uh, coming up. And um, there's a queen's chamber. Uh, uh, sorry, Soji had that whole scene where she uh, discovers that she's a robot. Um, the one thing I liked about that is when she called her mom, every time she like closed her eyes and wasn't looking at the screen, the hologram of her mom just froze in place and wasn't moving at all. I thought that yeah. was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Um, yeah. The uh, kind of jumping around a little bit, but you, you mentioned the uh, queen's chamber. Yeah. Um, th- what was that? Oh, anyway. So... Um, that projector that they had, I forget what they called it. It was a... Can't think of the Stargate. Yeah, yeah, the Stargate projector. <laughs> did they have a name for it? Yeah, they did because they they mentioned that it was the Borg had assimilated from the Sicarians. Okay. Did it, was it called a corridor or something? That well, that was a uh, that was a race that um, um, oh, I can't think of which episode it was, but uh, the vo- it was a Voyager episode mm. that they ran into. I think it was a uh, Prime Factors. Is a Voyager episode. <clears throat> and they they came they ran into a race and that they had these uh those teleporter portals that they could instantly transport up to 40,000 light years away yeah. and Voyager was trying to figure out how to use it to to get knock 40,000 light years off their journey and it ended up not being compatible with federation technology or something like that uh so they weren't able to use it yeah. Uh, but they actually, that number, 40,000 light years, was the same number that in the Voyager episode of how far it could work. Nice. But at that time, I, there was no reference to the, you know, the Borg having assimilated them. So apparently sometime after the Voyager encountered them, so did the Borg. The Borg were like hot on their tail. Yeah. So... That was one of at least two Voyager references in this episode. Does that mean every planet the Voyager visited got assimilated right after they left? <laughs> like they're being chased by the Cylons? I mean, no, but yeah. Okay. It, no, but You did not yeah. want to be in Voyager's wake. <laughs> no. <laughs> During the opening sequence, as it's flying through that planet's ring, it's like leaving the gap behind in the dust. That's a metaphor for <laughs> life in the galaxy. <laughs> The nuclear option was always option A for Janeway. <laughs> so I looked into it. Chronotons um, are referenced a lot in ref- like regarding the Romulans and the Borg. Actually, they were considered harmful, fatal to the life forms that existed outside time, just like the Bajorans' prophets and the Pa-Wraiths. But um, chronotons were produced as normal operation oh. by Romulan cloaking devices. Oh, I see. And just, it, it, it's fatal to those types of races. I thought you were saying that the... That those people were fatal to... Fatal to chronotons, no. No, no, fatal... To, you said it was like fatal to people who live outside the ta- time. Anyway, like whatever. Like the prophets and the pirates. Yeah. Okay. 
I thought the prophets were like fatal to people or something for a moment. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. Like they're generating those radiation particles. But yeah, no, chronotons are produced just by <clears throat> Romulan cloaking devices in general. Um, there's a That's temporal weird. transporter from the 29th century and the next generation. Something like that. I don't know. Borg utilized chronoton fields projected throughout a Borg vessel via specially designed conduits to compensate for the extreme temporal stress of a transwarp conduit. Thank you, Memory Alpha. So I don't think it's anything super, super special. It's just... Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Fair enough. Romulans on a Borg ship, this is exactly where you would see chronotons. Oh! Wait, what was happening when they said that? Maybe he had, maybe it was a cloaking thing, and that's when chronotons were released. Or maybe it was oh. the little box that was uh, shooting out the red gas that was killing Because he was concealing so where she was. Maybe It was while she was being hidden. Oh, yeah, so while that happened, yeah. that's probably what they detected. And ah, when the guard went into the door to uh, to, to nice. like look at Soji while she was dying from uh, poison gas, he was like, oh, watch out the radiation or something. Yeah. yeah. The, that the, wasn't chronotons, though. Yeah, that was red thaleron. Oh, okay. That's what we'll call it. Th- it wasn't green thaleron. Thaleron red sounds better. No, it doesn't. Thaleron code red. Code, yeah. <laughs> it's like a red, red boolean. It gets you wings. Okay, are we reading? Okay, because all right, are we reading too much into it? That oh, that oh, I I, I actually I read too much into it. But go on. What we're actually doing is skipping to random parts of the episode with no emphasis on time. Discovery gave us thematic structure. The Red Angels. This and and we're like podcast is infused with chronoton particles. (laughs) (laughs) So Red Angels aside from Discovery in Picard, we have the Red Boy, and everyone knows they're not red. And then we have, it really looked like Thalon radiation. It was super reminiscent of that scene, right? Yeah. The way he set it up, it was like clearly an assassination thing. It just kind of gassed out, but it was red. And we're like, oh, that's not what I expected. I think the, like, does red have a significance in this show? Uh, I don't. The Romulans had a red sun right before it blew up. There's two red moons. Oh. Two red moons. Also two daughters of Data. What? The two sons of Mars. Yes. This guy's killing The me. two sons of Tatooine. Ah. <laughs> what? Okay, I'm going to go... Red lightsabers are used by the Sith. They I'm follow gonna, a rule of two. <laughs> I'm going to shoot off some more chronoton uh, <laughs> radiation, and let's talk about the scene where uh, Soji was walking around the Romulan uh, disgu- uh, Freud room and was talking about her dream. The Freud room? Um, there's like a bunch of lamps, and you have to follow a maze and talk about your dream. And basically, like, he was trying to discover where Soji's homeworld was um, by going through the dream and talking yeah. to the details in it. And throughout the entire scene, um, Narek, also not Spock's uh, sister, was just, like, staring at the screen, looking pissed off and jealous the she whole acted time. So, yeah, she was fuming. <laughs> and, like, it would just keep on cutting to her randomly throughout this, like, important, like, scene where he's, like, talking about her dream. She's just looking all pissed off at it. Yeah, that that's all I can really funny. say about it. It was just, oh my god, it's so Saturday morning cartoon villain. All right, you're gonna stand there. You're gonna fume. Action. <laughs> you know, like like I was saying earlier, the two, the two of them really remind me of Lurser and Bator, the Duras sisters from Next Generation. That they were just so comically villainy, especially by the end of it, especially by like say generations. That they were just so just ridiculously over the top cartoon villainy pair, 
you, you know, where they they got their plan, but they're going to spend more time arguing with each other than getting their plan done. Yeah. And that'll probably be what undoes them in the end. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, Villains don't have the power of friendship. That's the lesson. Wow. All right, guys, two questions. Was Galaxy Quest right? And is it still right? Yes and yes. <laughs> Galaxy Quest is still right about Star Trek and its fans. You heard it here. Also, I just wanted to add a minor correction. The best villains do have the power of friendship. And, and I just I want to make that correction. I'm sorry. You mean the most successful ones do? No, the best written ones. They also they have a power of friendship to counter the hero's power of friendship. And, um, and it sir, becomes who a is, battle who of is, the power of friendship. Sir, who was Thanos friends with? Because well, he, he was, wasn't a good villain, he was, was he? He was a perfectly written villain. No, he wasn't. I'm talking about it. I'm Listen, talking all he you had, MCU cucks, boys. That went around with all him. you little Marvel like, Cinematic Universe cucks. He did have cronies. You're Thanos? It sucks. Listen, go it on YouTube. Sucks. Ask any YouTuber. Dr. Oct in Spider-Man 2? Better villain. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, what were you saying? He had cronies. He had followers. He had followers. Worshippers, even. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So did Rita Repulsa and Lord Zed in a much bigger way. Oh. Cobra Commander. Oh. Yeah, he had a lot of friends in a lot of (laughs) high places. The Hydra in in Marvel Cinematic Universe, they had a lot of friends too. They they had a club and they had secret code words. Yeah, they had secret code words. They were friends. Um, It was like High Hydra. Yeah. You ever see the the Hydra um, cosplayers at like Megacon say and feel jealous? Like, oh, I'm not in their fraternity. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm not, and that no does not mean I am saying I've not seen them. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, damn, dude. Not a good, NGL, not a good look, fam. Not a good look. I feel like this is going to completely alienate someone or several dozens of people from me saying dozens this, of millions of I, people i would still rather wear a suit with the hydra pin than be one of the um fuck were those blue demon people called blue demon people it's from a webcomic i think oh homestuck the trolls yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. that's oh yeah. oh oh you know i mean whatever level of like cosplay you know you can find to make fun of there is one deeper i'm gonna be honest i, f- I feel like homestuck's very close to the bottom of the barrel though only because she over hydra cosplay yet <laughs> I, I say that because or have they you? look they t- typically part i mean everyone gets sweaty and all disheveled right at a, a really big convention but yeah they are lower than the deadpool hordes because you the deadpool hordes at least look more polished because they're underneath a full suit yeah, a fursuit. <laughs> Is this going? I feel like you got something lower than the Homestuck. No, I, I really, no, I really don't. I, I'm, I'm just, uh, it, it just every time, uh, I, I always see something new. It and might I'm, be good. Like I'm gonna admit that someone might be like, I love Homestuck. You gotta give it a try. I have never given it a try. My first impression was all the cosplayers I'd constantly see and go, "What the fuck is this?" And then I had to Google. I'm like, okay, that it's a thing. It's like a webcomic. All right. Not for me. Moving on. It's okay. And then I'm like, hmm, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't transmit to... JoJo's weird because if you don't go like completely balls of all professional level for the cosplay, it looks terrible. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It's either like really Unless, low effort cringe or like, wow, is this CG in real life? Or if you purposely go low effort on the stand outfits, then you look great. <laughs> then you're ironically Then good. you're like a cardboard the world and it's like everyone claps. 
How many of our episodes have we mentioned JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Hopefully every <laughs> single one of them. Remember when we were talking about Picard or something? Yeah, we were doing I a don't. sci-fi podcast or something I, I, like I that. I had at least two more points I wanted to make about Let's the just say them and get straight yeah, to the Clone Wars so we can okay. end this charade. <laughs> I don't mind like even soaking this up. This was such a good episode, Picard. I, in a way, don't want to end. I want to keep celebrating it. I loved it. One thing I thought was kind of sort of funny and, and, and sort of interesting was uh, Picard really railed in this episode about the Borg. It was very reminiscent of his, uh, when he went off about them in, in uh, First Contact. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so he was upset about them, about them metastasizing and assimilating everything coldly and all of that. But he was sure was happy as hell to use the stuff they had assimilated right at the end of the episode to save his own butt. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's just funny. Yeah. He criticizes something while using it. You can't do that. You can't criticize something while participating in it. That's dumb. I did when he was talking to Hugh about how great it was that he was um, un assimilating people and like really showing people what the Borg are underneath it all. Is like they're these are people, victims of the Borg. Yeah, you and can, I'm thinking of that time on uh, was it first contact? Was just what's the kill count if he's just like, oh, my crewman got touched by a board boom you're gone boom you're gone <laughs> right everyone's like sean luke you didn't even try to save him he's like you can't save them they're monsters <laughs> come on let's go in here what's this a holodeck safety's off tommy gun time that that was coming from someone who had actually been saved after having been <laughs> yeah and there was enough yet to dig in he wanted that he said he's looking for like some little transmitter or something I think that was the cover story. I think he wanted to eat his opponent's heart. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how that <laughs> he had went. pure bloodlust. Um, the other thing on a lighter note <laughs> uh, was, did you happen to catch when they went into, um, uh, so, or when Soji went into her room and she was doing the scanning everything to see how old it was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she started pulling out stuff, she pulled out what looked like a, a, a lunchbox little thing and opened it yeah, up. Yeah, I and saw the called, lunchbox, but I didn't see what was on it. It, it was a lunchbox of the adventures of Flotter. Was that the tardigrade cartoon? No, no. It was actually another Voyager reference oh. that the uh, the little girl on Voyager, Naomi Wildman, she was a, uh, a fan. Like, Flotter was a... Uh, was a uh, a holodeck cartoon type adventure show. That sounds adorable. Okay. And it, uh, yeah, I, I it, and it, it was a, it, it actually they had an interesting concept with it, <coughs> where the program would, like all copies of it, would end up communicating with each other, mm. and as different people played the, played the game, that would add to the stories in it. So different people's adventures would become part of the ongoing story that other people would share in. And you know they had talked about you know Jane Way had she had played it when she was young, and you know and oh, cool. anyway it was uh, kind of an interesting thing. But she had an, an Adventures of Flotter uh, lunchbox. That seems like a resource-intensive thing to run on Voyager who's trying to make it home. Yeah. Um, Remember, they only have a certain amount of torpedoes. Um, we don't need to reiterate that. That was a that was wild. If you if you wanted if you liked the first episode of Voyager and thought, hey, they should make a show out of this, watch Battlestar Galactica. So. Um, you know, at the end of the episode, where where they, 
Uh, well, actually, earlier on when uh, uh, Narek and his sister were talking about wanting to find their home world, uh, like the synthetics home world, or it seemed like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, it, when they first brought that up, I thought it seemed kind of strange because I, I was pretty sure that from like earlier in the series, they had indicated that like, you know, this is something like that, um, you know, Maddox had, had been doing. I thought, I guess maybe he wasn't. Uh, well, I guess maybe he well, created them after. I assumed it was the oh. labs he's talking about with not Deanna Troy. Yeah, actually, you know what? Actually, now I realize like kind of like, like what he's in debt on for here. Yeah, yeah, now it actually makes a bit more sense because she's uh, too young to have been. She wasn't created until after he fled the Daystrom Labs and all of that. Mm. Uh, it, it, I guess it was kind of, I, I guess calling it their home world is kind of like what bothered me a bit because yeah. uh, that like seemed to imply something other than like, you know, it wasn't like they were just trying to find the labs where they were created. Yeah. They were like trying to find like their home world. Uh, I would think like the Romulans in particular, if they, you know, have this real hatred of synthetics, probably wouldn't treat them as like actual beings. Yeah, it sounds like it it legitimizes them to refer to their place of origin as their home world. Right. And And why was she a little girl? Well, I think that was just... That was a fake memory, I'm pretty sure. Maybe. I think that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a fake memory. Why would she have a fake memory of seeing her or her sister being, like, in pieces? Well, I well, think... remember when they talked about how it was her brain reconciling the fact that she's not a human. Oh, it could but like a projection while, thing. While I, having to pretend it, that they're a human. It's the combination of the fake memory of being a little girl. So she was given the fake memory of being a little girl going down into her dad's lab and having him tell her that she shouldn't be there. Yeah. That, that was the real fake memory. And then it was incorporating <coughs> other things that her Android mind knew because it would have been presumably at different stages of her being created and assembled and all of that, there would have been, it, she would have been active or her mind would have been active and have, you, you know whatever so yeah. she understood that she wasn't like fully assembled maybe she didn't really she never that wasn't an image she actually physically saw uh, certainly not of looking like a wooden yeah, doll yeah. cut up but the concept of being assembled and knowing about that mm-hmm. is buried down in there so uh, i think it's yeah it was supposed to be yeah. a dream it's not like an actual fake memory like it's just unless she actually saw her sister and I, that was like the big understanding of, oh, we're androids. But well, also I think the dream might have been a device to block, like that was the gate keeping her from that understanding and that memory. Because sure. the father was definitely fake. He didn't have a face at all. Right. And just fear of the, I'm not supposed to go here. Like that is the function that kept her out of those memories. Yeah. Oh, oh, right, right, right. I see what you're saying. It was almost like an error message saying you can't go. And she goes, oh, I'm not allowed to go there. Right. Once they pushed past it, she got to the restricted stuff, which I think was actual knowledge. Yeah, that actually sounds like really, that is like ringing a bell with some other story about the Odyssey, a robot that was trying to figure out that it was a robot. I robot? Um, um, no, no, no. It would be uh, AI, AI by uh, Stephen Kubrick. It, it may be AI by Stephen Kubrick, oh. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. That just ha- that says has a really familiar ring to it, but I can't quite place it right now. Huh. Um, 
Blade, Blade Runner almost. Oh, Battlestar Galactica to an extent. Depending on which version you're watching. Yeah, I, it, it may be Battlestar Galactica that I'm thinking about. Because they had but, a few subplots that are similar to that. But I thought there was something about definitely like getting it to a certain spot where it's like a dream and something like scaring you away from going beyond. But that was just really finding out the answer, you know. Yeah, yeah, that is unfamiliar. Maybe... Yeah. One of those like movies with the psychiatrist machine going to person's brain oh, with that one actress. The cube? Maybe. Maybe. I, mean, I, I actually I think what I think what I'm the conclusion I'm coming to is that that, that How great theme, of a the cube reference would that be? Because they're on a cube. Oh my god. They're I in a cube. Even, wow. That would be scary good. Oh shit. There's a lot of cubes. Yeah. Hold on, there's Nerik's cube, there's the Borg cube. She's the impossible box. What's with the cube thing? AIs are yeah. a black box. I wonder box. what she's looking for on the Borg cube. Yeah. Oh, well. I, I'm in a, so I'm like a little well, wondering from this point on, are, are we going to see the Borg much more? Because I, up until a little, little bit ago, I was really pretty convinced that this was going to be really Borg heavy, the story. But in a lot of ways, it really hasn't been. But they had the whole thing about when the Borg encountered those uh, the Romulans that they assimilated. Yeah. And they said in that episode that as far as they knew, those were the first Romulans ever assimilated by the Borg. Uh, I'm going to say this. Um, I thought I heard that, but it didn't seem I, right. I had to watch. I had to watch it again. And they actually said... As far as they know, that was the first time Romulans had been assimilated. Yes, yeah. weird. Which is weird, and <coughs> that's what caused the Borg cube to crack, to, to you know, disconnect from the uh, from the, um, the collective. And it's related to that, you know, that secret. I, I think it's related to the secret of the Zatvash that will you know break your mind if you learn it. Yeah, the the Romulan woman <laughs> that was uh, finishing that puzzle, she said to uh, Soji that I remember you from tomorrow. Right, right, and was so, talking about the, how the, it was news. All of the her, you know, telling fortunes or telling the future is what Soji was mm-hmm. referred to it as, and she referred to it as she's telling the news. Yeah. So yeah. it's probably like maybe those Romulans had knowledge of the future and that broke the Borg cube because it was like, wait, this hasn't happened yet. So this is this is where it really seems like it kind of comes back around to the whole like the control thing. And even in, in Discovery, what led to uh, control and the data that well, what the data that control was looking for mm. that if it got would lead to the devastated future yeah. was from that um, that the sphere. Yeah. That they encountered. I don't think the sphere had knowledge from the future, though. It just no, had, no, no. It just yeah. had an immense amount of knowledge. Yeah. But that's what Control wanted. Because if, I was saying if Control got that, that's what would lead to the devastated future. They, mm-hmm. They're trying to keep that knowledge from it. Which, that whole story about that sphere that was wandering the galaxy for so long, just collecting the information. This is another one of these stories that just keeps cycling around and around in Star Trek. It was very much like the... Uh, the e- 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 Viger, Viger, yeah. right? And then prior to Viger, in the old series, they had the episode Changeling with Nomad. There was essentially the same story. Uh, and it, in that one, it was spe- it specifically had it where, or, and I, maybe they did say this in Viger as well, I care, or motion picture as well, but uh, where it, it, it Nomad had crashed into a, uh, like a machine planet. Like it was basically like a robot android planet and they had rebuilt it and sent it out to continue its mission. I think that was from Star Trek Legacy. <coughs> no, th- I, I think it's actually referenced all, all the way back to the original series. Oh. Wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In okay. in in 
in, in the episode Changeling. Yeah. Um, and but this idea, and you know, in some of the like in some of the uh, fiction, some of the novels and uh, other things, they had made vague references to perhaps that actually having been the Borg. Or that, or maybe the Borg were what were involved with V'ger, or you know, or something like a prototype of them, or something somehow that I really thought this was going to get into a Borg origin story, but now I'm not so sure. Mm. I think it still might, but just not in the way we want. That's possible too. In a way, they might be even be too afraid to give the Borg an origin story, just because they're like a large beloved part of the franchise. I, I would be, but then again, it's also Alex Kurtzman and. They can do anything, and there's nothing we can do to stop them. I mean, I don't want it to be a Borg origin story. I, I don't I don't want them to have an origin that relates to, like, the Romulans or anything we've ever known about. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. I hope that it's not. Yeah. But last week I was pretty convinced they were. This week, not so much. The search for truth begins with belief, and I believe that anything Dave Filoni touches in Star Wars turns to gold. We saw it this time. I mean, this one had three writers, uh, a distant echo from Clone Wars, but he was one of them. He's, uh, the f- this is the first episode this season that Dave Filoni wrote, episode two. Uh, there's two or three others that I found on Wikipedia that have the writers. He's not going to write again as far as we can tell, but there's like several other episodes that like to be announced. Evan, you called it. This episode took place in Morrowind. Oh yeah, yeah. They they meet up with the Dunmer and they they just have the same like architecture. There's like ash storms. <laughs> it's uh, they so, ride around on. Okay, well I mean they don't ride around on cliff racers in Morrowind, but it's pretty close. <laughs> What's a cliff racer? Little pterodactyls that attack you like every three seconds. They rode around on. Uh basically big pterodactyls yeah exactly this episode they're like kind of just giant bats they called them like did they call them like dragons or reptilians uh, or something I think they're flying reptiles they're flying reptiles but they just straight up look like bats so so this was like part two of rex looking for his old war buddy echo echo or echoes echo echo, echo. and we were all laughing the whole time about how rex swears he recognizes echo's voice <laughs> yeah it sounds just like mine <laughs> it's like we just all like sound mine. like you just like mine. So yeah, they go to... Has, has that planet ever been in stars before? Or is it just an OC thing? Uh, it's, I don't think it's been referenced before, the planet. Oh, no, I don't think yeah. so. No. The crystal one, too. That's that's original, right? Like the one in the first episode? Uh, yeah, it doesn't I matter. I think so. But, I mean... It doesn't matter. Know. Anyway, so yeah, they, they, go to the, they go to the planet where Echo's uh, signal is coming from. Um, they find like a big elevator to the enemy station after befriending the the Dunmer and getting their help. Listen, that episode or the, that tower they went into the inside of it, especially and the tower itself, it felt very Warframe. I, I disagree. It, though, it, it was, it was very like art deco looking like yeah, Bioshock uh, also used it. Fair. It was much more on the, yeah. yeah. It, it looked like twenties, New York, really like that whole, like, you know, right. artsy style. Um, there was very interesting droids that were like half bird and they had like those backwards legs and like, very weird hands several yeah. arms i wish we got at least a better look at them if not an explanation of why they look that way yeah, they're really weird they look like tribal bird robots is weird they were yeah they were a mess i have to say i i am loving the animation in this it's season so good yeah it, it, it's like there is so much depth to it it's it's really you know i know it's you know cgi 
stuff, but it, it, it's like, but the, the depth and the level and like the stuff going on in the background, uh, just characters moving around and doing stuff. It feels so much like you're watching a live action show at times. Did the previous seasons look this good or is it a Disney budget? They did thing? near the end, but not in the beginning. Yeah, they, they weren't bad. They, they were better than, um, you know, they they were more detailed than a lot of animation animated yeah, yeah. series you see. Like the very first version of the first movie of Shrek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't but, hold up. Right, right. But it was a bit, this is just so much more detailed. And the, um, uh, you know, not it wasn't in this episode, but in the previous one where the uh, the big guy, Killer Croc, or what whatever his yeah. Star Wars name is, uh <laughs> when he was running, holding the big shield and the other guys were behind, behind it. Uh, and there's a move, there's uh, at some point where he like turns to like, let them run out. And he kind of does this turning around thing. And it was just such a neat scene. And it was so like the, the angles, it was like kind of filmed yeah. from <laughs> and, uh, how, how it moved. It was, uh, you know, just some of the best, animated stuff i've ever seen i think mm-hmm. yeah that scene where um anakin was talking to padme and time it showed his face i was just transfixed like it looked like it had a high frame rate or something his yeah. face was just so well done i'm like wow yeah and i don't it, know it, anything he said i was too busy staring <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's odd it, what's and i was looking at it it was kind of odd i was thinking about the faces in that too because it's funny because the faces are very cartoony faces you know they got the big oh, giant yeah. eyes and the features the bodies and the body motion are very much more realistic looking than, than the faces, but somehow they do a good job of making the faces look very good in this style. I I was thinking, what was, what was the thing that we, uh, the, the, the weird, uh, short trek with the, uh, the girl who made the stars. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) And that had such a weird Valley looking. Yeah. The, the, the face compared to the rest of the animation was so disjoint. Like the models and textures really like just like the, the cartoony face with the hyper realistic hair and stuff. Yeah. It it was, that was uncomfortable. Yeah. The wet teeth. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the lighting on the teeth was like perfect, wet and rough. It was like, Oh yeah. This one, this one, they got it right. Yeah. Yeah. They a hundred percent stylistically much better. Um, obviously it's what that short track was trying to emulate and failed. Um, star Wars, the clone wars knows what they're doing for CG shows. I wonder how much of it is like motion capped or how much of it is handmade. Like obviously a lot of it's handmade, but I wonder how much (laughs) of like, just like the character faces dialogue and stuff like that is. I remember the fight scenes, especially, I didn't even pay attention. I noticed in this episode, so maybe they got better. But definitely early on, it was very jerky. Mm. Characters would move into still positions. So I right. think it was like set this position, set the end position, and maybe the computer just kind of animates between. Yeah, interpolating, yeah. Yeah. The, this one, I thought there, there were some of the motions. Like I say, that, that scene where he, in the first episode where the guy's carrying the big shield, and as he kind of spins around to let them run out from behind it, it, it there's so much motion in it, and it looks it's so fluid it looks so good it doesn't look like it's this the stopped one position to yeah another they don't do thing. that anymore i love it yeah um i know previous seasons did this and rebels did it too but i just love the way they animate the like lightsabers where they have like uh lag on the like swinging yeah, yeah, yeah. so it creates like in these big geometric shapes whenever they're swinging lightsabers yeah it's yeah a, visually it, a treat yeah it's a it, you know, and the it's the Clone Wars stuff. It's interesting because it's kind of like the, each episode is a very 
a very small story and you know very small part of the story yeah um but i i i've been so impressed with really all of the star wars cartoons that i've seen and continue to be mm-hmm. with it um you know i think it's some of the some of the better story writing we've had in star wars in a, in a long time between that and then mandalorian also kind of fits in with that yeah same sort of thing it's interesting how they kept that down to the kind of the short episodes too mm-hmm. i think um they they know what works for them yeah all this all the star wars cartoons have been pretty good from what i've seen yeah except for that one canceled robot chicken one star <laughs> was it star wars detours yeah not, yeah, not yeah. that one but uh like even back to the original like uh 2d uh clone wars cartoon that's that was nice and then the, the next clone wars cartoon is good too i never <laughs> saw the 2d one rebels is good uh the, the best part of the 2d one is just like general grievous wasn't awful in it <laughs> right right <laughs> i mean like it was, it was good all around but just like general grievous is the most memorable part i did see a certain battle scene or something i think is mace windu versus a giant stomper mm. yeah um had a lot of cool scenes it's by the it? same guy who made samurai jack so oh yeah it shows a nice style to it yeah it's very samurai jack looking mm-hmm. i didn't see that either <laughs> but i saw powerpuff girls oh yeah dude <laughs> Um, uh, and yeah, he goes to the middle of the art, uh, deco space, like sky station place and finds echo, which is like, he's tied up to some like robot corpse analysis machine and kept alive like a zombie. He was in the matrix. Yeah. And and it's unsure as to whether he's, he can actually like be alive outside of the machine due to the fact the, uh, the alien dudes that were running the like station, they're like, your friend's dead, but his mind is giving us intel or something. I, I think they'll manage to save him. He'll become a hero, and one day they'll probably name a base after him or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, oh my God. That's what they did. I bet that's what oh, they're doing. Oh, wow. I, wow oh wow wow oh no <laughs> wow that's exactly what happened they're gonna get him out because it'd be like, dark it'd be really dark if they didn't get him out that was like that was not the original tension of the name echo base because it's just <laughs> alpha delta echo stuff but like wow if they if they do that yeah i bet they will too of course they will of course they will yeah obi-wan was in the episode for two seconds <laughs> and he's <laughs> being cheeky he's being cheeky yep <laughs> Nothing, nothing like good retroactive canon. And like the entire, like, I just, whenever I watch these like episodes and like knowing that how close order 66 is on the timeline <laughs> and seeing how wacky and like comedic Anakin is acting and all lighthearted, knowing that like two weeks later, he's going to mow down an entire school of children. <laughs> how do I reconcile that guys? <laughs> uh, Vader did that. <laughs> Yeah, Anakin. he's he's still Anakin. He's not yeah. Vader yet. Yeah. Anakin's a good guy. Is Vader just like some suppressed multiple personality trapped inside of him that he can just unleash from all those Sand Raider um, <laughs> slavery moments of his life? Basically, he you get a little sand in his crack and he's Vader. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, was wasn't there a part in? Um, when uh in picard when agnes was talking to the pilot there was a part where she's like i don't like uh she's ta- she had a she, she didn't like space it's cold and yeah <laughs> she's she like, like i don't like space it's cold and very dark and i all i could think about was the anakin i don't like sand yeah. scene during it yeah <laughs> aggie they yeah. call her aggie not annie <laughs> wait only one person calls her aggie right yeah but it's not annie yeah it's aggie yeah but she's the annie her last of- name is gerardi right 
Yeah. Okay. I remember last podcast episode, I, I, I called Rafi Girardi and I was like, I'm, <laughs> I can't remember anyone's name. I don't even know the pilot's name. I just call him the pilot. Something Rios, I'm sure. Rios. Chris, Chris, Cristobal Rios. Okay. I, I won't remember that, but yeah. it's good to know. It's a cool name. I just know Picard, number one, seven and nine. That's it. <laughs> numbers. Riker. Picard yeah. and numbers. Picard, numbers, and... Oh, not Deanna Troy. Getting back to numbers and into the Star Wars, I I thought it was interesting. the the uh, the uh, Bad Batch. This is actually from the previous episode, but sorry, yeah. I wasn't here. Um, they're the ninety nine. It's what they were called. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and like they made a some one of the uh, clones of Rex or something like made a comment about that, like it was, you know a good number, or good something. Like I just thought that was kind of curious. Ninety nine and sixty six. Yeah, there was something praiseworthy about the ninety nine. Yeah. Oh, do you think it was like subconscious? They kind of like oh. I wondered if it was something, it, some something that it you know, if it was anything other than that, I I miss, I missed it. But mm. yeah, same. I, th- I thought that was cute. And oh, by the way, I have to say, after listening to you guys last week when you talked about it and you said that like basically it was like Suicide Squad again, mm-hmm. and like you, you you pointed that out, and then you guys kind of downplayed it a little bit, like oh, you know, it's not not like you know, it's, it's not like you know, Mar- or they did invent the wacky cast of characters going on a mission, right? But but like like right, right they are the, they are Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, they came off the ship. They came they came down. Deadshot was there. Dead Killer shot, Croc Killer was Croc. there. Yeah, and Rambo. Then they, and then he said, "Rick Flag." Yeah, yeah. Then yeah, then Rick Flag goes. Yeah, so you got another suicide mission for us. <laughs> they actually said you got another suicide mission for us. Oh, never mind. I didn't even. I missed that. Yeah. yeah oh me wow. Too. Probably because we're talking about how much it looked like the Suicide Squad while they were saying that. I mean, it's they practically did the you know what? What uh. is this? Some kind of Suicide Squad? <laughs> yeah, there, there's something else. Has a spite? Has a uh, the steampunk spider ever appeared in Star Wars before? Is that just like a brand new character? Oh, the guns on their faces. Like no, like the weird spider with oh, like the, uh, the, the t- robot. Uh, oh, thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, general he, guy. I've seen him general before. Tosh, I think it is. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, only in uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's been around for a few for a while. I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cy, cy- uh, the cyber spider. <laughs> I, I just like the way like every every like three seconds while talking, we'll see like a random spider click. I, I fucking hate every time he talks. <laughs> yeah. It's like yes, uh, that 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 is that will please me. And then he screams <laughs> out, "I'm a spider!" <laughs> <laughs> and you it's see like, the little inner mandibles go. <laughs> You gotta constantly remind the audience that he's a spider. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll forget, dude. Yeah, all yeah, exactly. <laughs> all all the blinking eyes isn't enough for you. <laughs> um. So that was Star Wars: The Clone Wars. I guess I, I, I got something else. else. So listen, not only was that season seven, episode two, but fun fact, it was the one hundred and twenty third episode overall. One, two, three. Ah, mm. oh, nice. This is the way. Wow, 123 episodes of Clone Wars. Uh, of that's amazing. Cartoons? That's like yeah. that's, oh, a, that's like the most. Uh, Oops. Like of any of the Star Wars things. I mean, that's a lot of hours of. Uh, yeah. Material. Do you think Fring will appear in the Clone Wars during the Siege Ooh. of Mandalore part? I hope that's a yes. part. I hope so too. 
Yeah. Because they have to explain how the Darksaber got there. Yeah, they have to. I mean, they don't have to, but I <laughs> no, like they, it. <laughs> no, there's no way. I mean, not with Filoni being involved in all of this yeah. throughout the whole thing. Yeah, no, that that is definitely going to tie in. I, it would just I, be a really cool like uh, crossover between the two. You know? I, actually, I don't think... I don't I think like season seven of of Clone Wars would be happening if it wasn't for the Mandalorian happening as well. Huh, that's a good now, point. I don't think they waited to see if Mandalorian was successful or whatever. Obviously, they already were working on on it, but I think this was all designed as a package deal. Yeah, I think so too. Mm, yeah. They got a storyline idea, and it has to be covered on multiple fronts. Yeah, and I and I think that that's I I think they're actually kind of going out of their way with um mandalorian and they always i think kind of have with on a lot of the cartoons to tie it in to uh existing star wars lore and make it so it does fit into the to the bigger story um i think actually in a way a bit of a reaction to Mm. how how poorly the new movies felt yeah they dealt with that that I, I I think they want I think they're I think they're trying to you know I think the movies you know they had an audience that they're trying to appeal to with that I think I think the TV shows are for the uh, more for the hardcore fans for the yeah. adults the movies are for the kids and the sh- cartoons are for the adults and one yeah. more thing yeah, I, I, actually I think you're right I, I want to say I forgot to call him Moff Fring. Moffring, yeah. Moffring. Yeah, I can't just call him Fring. It's be Moffring. Yeah, you know what? You said that, and and actually, it wasn't until just now I realized that's not his name in the show. <laughs> that's not even the actor's name. <laughs> it's just his Breaking Bad character. What's What's the other Star Wars cartoon that we haven't watched like at all? Resistance. Yeah, is that still going on? Yeah, they, I think they were having at least another season of it. Yeah, I, I, I barely know anything about it. I, yeah, I heard it's cell shaded. I think it's cell shaded. Yeah, it is. Actually, I watched one episode of it, and it wasn't it wasn't bad. I, I would have to watch a few to get into it. Yeah, like but, it'll probably start off very like uh, less serious, like Rebels did. Rebels and, did. And yeah, Clone Wars did. Yeah, I didn't care for the first season of Rebels or the first, at least the first part of the first season. I Same. really wasn't into it. But by the end of Rebels, that was awesome. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. Oh yeah. Like I wonder if Resistance will pull the same thing. But I just I haven't watched a single episode of it. Uh, maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe it's good. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just the thing that really brought me down is that it was like uh, it was new trilogy area era, and I really wanted a sequel to Rebels. Yeah, yeah. That's like it's what probably it's like. not even bad. I was just I really wanted a now, sequel to Rebels at that point. Didn't, and it didn't I read happen. something about there was some talk about another cartoon that is going to be a sequel to Rebels? It was a rumor. Was it confirmed? No, I think it was either a rumor or a terrorist demand by the fans. <laughs> I hope, I hope it is a like true rumor or a terrorist defend, uh, demand from the fans. <laughs> like, I I d- whatever makes it happen. <laughs> whatever makes it happen. Yeah. I mean, we, we all need to get behind it no matter which it is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we watched Picard's sixth out of 10 episodes this season. So we're more than halfway through. We're over the hump. It's starting to speed up. On its first good episode. <laughs> I think it's going to... Five hours I in. think it's going to get better and better each episode. Hopefully. Until it ends and we're like, oh God, we need... Have, they're going to leave us with, wow, we really need episode two. But here's the problem. Or season two. Here's the problem. Next episode is Riker's guest appearance and it might be very exposition heavy and slow. Yeah, but that's what I liked about that. Well, not, Yikes. I don't know. Because I have to say, this is my favorite episode, and it had, like, no exposition. 
Really? I thought it had a lot. I mean, yeah, it like it had the whole like character romance thing, but it wasn't just like two people sitting down in a ship and going, uh, um, "Yeah, my wine casket. There's <laughs> money in the future." You know what it was? Elnor. It was flashbacks. Like, rather than well, because you can't move the story along through action almost ever. Like with a character death, maybe. Yeah. But like, if there's people fighting, nothing's happening in the story. Um, moving the story along just through conversation is boring. But they moved the conversational, or they, the exposition was through action this time. The characters mm. were, even though they were just talking for the most part, they were doing something with each other, and that was the most interesting part about it. I think. Yeah. As long as someone's moving, um, I'm having a good time. <laughs> okay. Uh, also, I'm just gonna say. It. Elnor probably isn't dead. He's probably going to get his own spinoff series with Hugh, and that's going to be the eighth Star Trek show. I really don't think so, but... Elnor and Hugh. Name a more iconic combo. <laughs> Name a more iconic duo in history. Fuck, literally anything. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I want it to be a... I want it to be a buddy cop comedy series. Please just make it happen. With, like, 1980s type uh, intro music and graphics. Because, like, you just have Hugh as the straight man and then Elnor as the wacky samurai you can't tell a lie. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. You could see them, like, you know, just, like, pulling up someplace and, like, like you know, Hugh is trying to, like, you, you know, just try, yeah. trying to be a little bit sneaky and undercover and Elnor just, like, yeah. kind of fucking walks in and just ruins it for him yeah, like every Hugh, time. Hugh will turn around and, and, and look at something and then, like, when he turns back around, their head's cut off and green blood is leaking everywhere. <laughs> you, you know, and, and he's going to have his, like, you know, like, there's going to be the catchphrase, oh, Elnor! <laughs> yeah. Evan, I've got a more iconic duo for you. Ross Perot and the Brave Little Toaster. I know one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Brave Little Toaster? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't know who Ross Perot is. <laughs> who? It's a, a pre-Zoomer politician. Oh, man. Oh, right. you, you, were, you were serious. I was making a joke when I said the Brave Little Toaster because... No, no, I know that. I don't know who Ross Perot is. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. I, you, you, you and I are opposites here. Oh. <laughs> you don't know the Brave Little Toaster? No, but I know who Ross Perot is. You've never seen the Brave Little Toaster? No. Oh. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Oh, no.